don't just go jump on this stuff, get educated, learn, absorb everything you can on these topics and find someone that knows exactly what they're doing before you enlist in one of these strategies. Make sure it's right for you. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my great to wealth listeners. Today, we have the pleasure to talk to Adam Carroll. Adam, how are you? I'm doing well, Jacket. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, thank you again for taking the time and speaking with us, man. I know you're dialing from Iowa. Is that correct? I am in the awesome, heartland man. where today I think it's 20 degrees below zero, I think is the wind chill today. Oh, that's so, perfect so. weather. I think I'm wearing your, yeah. uh, the weather that, the clothing for suitable for your weather, man. Um, <laughs> I am definitely in Raleigh, North Carolina right now, and it's crazy. It's up and down, up and down. Oh my God, better be on the safer side. Well, and your warm is a little bit different than our warm, or your cold is different than our cold. I don't know how you want of to course. say it. We don't yes, have cold, sure. man. We don't have minus 20. I mean, we, <laughs> you and I were talking before we went on the air that we spent about a year and a half in Wisconsin. Dude, I can't yes. have a minus 20s for too long. I mean, I was, it was cold. enough. One winter was yeah. enough for us the, to leave. It was perfect. There are days where we wake up and, you know, we'll often say, why do we live here? What is it about this place that keeps us here right now? So... The What's only the answer? answer that I've come up What's with. What's the answer? Well, I have three kids, two yeah. of whom will be going to college soon in the state. And I've got one more <laughs> who's entering high school. And I think that once he's gone, we'll Your win somewhere else. We'll be snowboards, snowbirds for sure. All right, man. That's good. Adam, well, yeah. thank you again for joining us, man. So let's kick this off. The way we always start the show is the name of the show is Migrate to Wealth. My listeners are probably already tired of hearing that, but to remind you, the most important word there is not wealth. Mm. Although a lot of folks may get attracted to that word, it's really migrate, right? We're talking about yes. intentional migration and you and I were exchanging crazy thoughts just before we got on and part of that's going to sprinkle through in our conversation. It's really about the migration, right? What kind of intentional changes can we bring upon in people's life? Totally. If we can touch even one person, one of our audiences amongst however many are listening, it's worth doing this, right? So with that, that said... Help us understand your story of what you're doing right now. Then let's, let's take the next step from there as in what got you? What was your migration story into that path? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I appreciate you letting me tell this story because I, I will often start with what I do and it goes into the educational component of all of that, but I don't ever really get to share why I do what I do. So I kind of yeah. want to start that way. If you don't so on our show, that's the most important um, piece. <laughs> Absolutely. I went through something called a life plan with someone who helped me facilitate that about two or three years ago, a good friend of mine named Jeremy. And in the life plan, Jeremy said, there are moments that you go through in your life that are called life gate moments. Mm -hmm. And a life gate moment is where someone opens the gate and you walk through and your life will never be the same again. Mm -hmm. And I said, I love that so much he started asking about why do you do what you do and what's the purpose behind your mission and why you show up here in life. And I said, you know, on my deathbed or at my funeral, what I really want people to say is I had one conversation with Adam or Adam shared this with me or showed me this thing and it completely changed my life. Yeah. And I think that I'm here, honestly, Jaquette, to, to help people achieve life gate moments, to help introduce them to a concept that they never thought about before, but when they apply it, 
it totally changes their world forever. It's so amazing, Adam, right? Because the way you're looking at is very different. You're looking from a giver mindset, right? Kind of like, I want to just add value. And of course, we're not running a charity, so there's definitely a financial reward to you as well. But I think part, part, bigger portion of that is not really financial reward. It's a fulfillment you get. And same with me and same with a lot of our guests. They're all service first mentality, right? You want to serve people. If If you've made mistakes and learned something, and if you can help people avoid that mistake, more the better, right? So I, I appreciate you sharing no that and your definitely your hearts. Your music is in your face when you're speaking that. So I know you're speaking <laughs> the truth. So that's well, important. You. That's important. Well, thank you again for doing what you do. I think it's very well needed. So now let us help us understand what is that you do? Well, for the last 15 years or so, I have been a financial educator. I've done everything from programs on college campuses, you know, 750 different schools have had me in as a guest lecturer on wealth building and how to win the game of money if you're a young person, young professional. I did a documentary on student loan debt that aired on CNBC. And the initiative behind that was really to help families start talking about college costs and and student loan debt and have the discussion early enough that young people didn't find themselves in fifty dollars to $100,000 worth of student loan debt and then not really know what that meant mm-hmm. at the age of 18 or 22. Lastly, this is most recently, I have a piece of software that we launched two years ago. It's called the Shred Method. And we help people blast away record amounts of debt in short amounts of time. And candidly, some of it's all about just being completely debt-free. And then on the other side, there are some folks that say, I'm okay with debt, mm-hmm. but I want to control and manage the money that I have in a way yeah. that allows me to invest in wealth building opportunities. And so we take people down two different avenues. One is if you just want to be debt free, we'll help you do that. And if you want to have a better control of your finances and make sure that your income is efficient as humanly possible, we'll help you do that with the end goal of being to build massive, passive, permanent streams of income. Mm -hmm. So all of it for me is about creating freedom and flexibility for people because freedom for me is one of my core values. And I want to make sure that other people get to experience the level of freedom that they most crave in life, which isn't always possible. Oh, again, thank you for sharing that, Adam. One thing I would want to hone in on, there's a lot of different nuggets that I want to delve on. But let's actually take several steps back. Your migration story, what the thing that you talked about is LifeGate. I think it was two years ago. But your migration into the journey you're in happened several decades ago. At least 15 years ago, you mentioned the number number 15. So we'll just say 15. What got you into that? Because, you know, not a lot of people wake up one day and then say, I want to be a financial educator. I want to change the life of several kids and also their parents. Right, because a student is not just a burden on the students, it's also a burden on the parents yeah, or their okay. guardians. So help us understand, like, why did you do that? What happened? What was happening in your personal life at that time? Were you suffering from a student debt? Did you see a loved one suffering? What was going through your mind? Yeah, it's a great question. I definitely made my mess my message. So when I started, I had graduated from a state university in Iowa. Mm-hmm. I was a debt statistic when I graduated, so I had... 30 some thousand dollars in student loans. I had $8,000 in credit card debt. And I met a woman my senior year in college who said, get rid of your debt or I'm going to get rid of you. I had no fun acquiring it. You did. And now the two of us together are going to knock it out. 
Mm-hmm. And I've been married to that woman for 23 years. That's awesome. The first two years of our marriage, we lived on one income and we blasted away all of our debt. So candidly, yeah. we lived on her income because she was making a little bit more than me. And my income used to blast away debt month after month after month. And honestly, I think what got me there was we were 24 months in of doing this process. We had no student loans, no car loans, no credit card debt, no consumer debt. We just had a mortgage. But as a result of the the action we'd taken, we had somewhere between $3,000 and $3,500 a month in discretionary income Mm -hmm. at the age of 25 or 26. Right. And when you've got $40,000, $42,000 a year extra, you feel like a multimillionaire in your 20s. Yeah. And I kept thinking, why isn't everyone doing this? And it occurred to me that the reason not everyone did it was not everyone knew what I knew or had experienced what I'd experienced, Mm -hmm. but I could go share my message with other people and try and infuse in them the excitement I had or impact them in some way to make the kind of actions that we took. And, you know, lo and behold, it wasn't everyone, certainly, but out of every event that I would go do, dozens of people would hang around afterwards and they'd say, I am so inspired, or I'm going to change what I'm doing around Mm -hmm. money, or my significant other and I have this discussion all the time. And it was just so validating and rewarding. I kept doing it. And I think I got better and better at it. And, you know, it became part of my mission. So my migration really was the fact that I had gone from, you know, failure to success, so to speak. And then I started helping other people and their stories were feeding me along the way. Yeah. So again, let's take us back at this moment, right? Where you're having this conversation yeah. about, give us perspective on your debt. And you don't have to get the details of the specific numbers, but we want to talk about the, the large categories. How would you classify yeah. the debt you had at that time? And at 15 years old, so if you mess up a few categories, that's okay. I don't expect yeah. you to remember every <laughs> single thing, right? But, you know, when I look at debt, it's really a consumer debt, which is yeah. really a fun debt, right? Yeah. You're taking on debt to have fun in life. And fun could mean different things. Yes. could mean partying like crazy, could mean traveling like crazy, could mean buying stuff from future, borrowing from future, what you can't afford ever, right? And student yes. debt is part of that, right? So that's all in one. Yep. The second is non-consumer debt, which is a, potentially is a smarter debt, which is mortgage, or your real estate, or your investment related, which is actually going to produce a yield if done correctly. So help us understand which category, how did you categorize your, for the simplicity of this episode, we'll take good debt versus bad debt. And for our definition, good debt is everything that has potential to reward you in the future. Does not mean it comes without risk. Always have risks, right? But the bad debt is really things that you could have avoided to do. You just thought at that moment it was more fun to do. And how is it going to hurt you to borrow another $10,000 or $1,000 or $500? You can always pay in the future because, hey, you're going to graduate and you're going to make a ton of money, right? So what category did you have, good versus bad? Well, I would say if we're putting student loan debt in good debt, it mm-hmm. was there. There was thirty. Actually, I'm not. I'm so not putting anything in any categorization. I'm, I would love to hear your definition because I have my own perspective, and I guess my audience is very yeah. clear about where I, what, where I position student is not in a good debt, a student debt, student loan debt. But I would love to hear your definition. Well, and I should probably have a qualifier in this. I would say at least seventy five hundred dollars of the student debt that I had taken out 
was for business purposes. So I was, yeah, you know, I was perfect. an entrepreneur. I, so you're trying to bad debt into good debt. in college. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But it was a learning lesson. You know, I was filing tax returns and I was doing all the things between 19 and 23 that most people mm -hmm. don't get to until they're, you know, late twenties or early thirties. We had mortgage debt. We had, I had student loan debt. And then I would probably classify the majority of it as bad debt. Honestly, yeah, it was stuff that I had had fun with. It was credit card debt. It was consumer purchases, things that we wanted for our new home. Today, I look at it a little bit differently. I mean, honestly, Jaquette, one of the things that I think of is the only debt I really want to have is debt that is making me money on the back end of it. Correct. So if I'm leveraged yeah. with cash flow, I don't care how much it is so long as it's cash flowing. And yeah, it's, I think it's, 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 it's kind of, um, thank you for bringing that up, Adam, right? Because I think nothing against Dave Ramsey. I love the guy. I think he's helping a lot of people. But his definition of debt, com being completely debt-free is half the picture. And probably yes. uh, eight, for 50 to 60% of the Americans do need that as well. But I think when we're trying to create future wealth, we're not just trying to make you debt-free, right? So That's we right. have to look at That's debt right. with a perspective. And I love that you were talking about that switch because we would have gone back and forth on that debt for us quite a while if you had a difference of opinion, because that's where the most important discussion is going to be, right? Because helping people right. understand how to look at debt and how to evaluate debt. Debt has such a negative connotation in this world that I just want to pay off my home. I just want to pay off my home because yeah. it's security, right? I understand that. Right. And I, if you're doing it for security, don't say it's a financially right decision, right? But if it's right, a right. keep your emotions and your finances separate so that you can make, yes. you can figure out which one is trumping what. And then you can say, okay, I understand it's not a financial savvy decision, but I'm not making yep. it for that reason. I just want to sleep peacefully because I want right. to get this house paid off or whatever, whatever their debt could be. So help me understand your perspective, man. Yeah. Well, and I love where this is going on this topic because there are so many layers of someone that wants to pay off their home for security purposes, mm -hmm. right? And I had the idea that, first of all, going back in the Wayback Machine, one of the very first books I ever read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And Robert Kiyosaki very clearly made it a point that your mortgage is a liability. It does not put mm -hmm. money in your pocket. It takes money out of your pocket. Yo, uh, let's just, and, I'm sorry, quick pause there because I want to qualify. Yeah. Your mortgage for your primary residence. For your Correct. primary residence. That's right. Yes. And I started to question in probably around 2010 or 11, is my home really a liability or can mm -hmm. I make it an asset? Can I make it an asset by paying it down or off sooner, mm -hmm. but then redeploying the equity that I have in yeah. my home into cash flow generating sure. you know, resources? And for what it's worth for your listeners, I'm going to give you kind of the straight and dirty on, you know, how I look at my mortgage today and what we're doing with it and all of that. We live in a home that's probably valued at five, six hundred thousand dollars in Des Moines, mm -hmm. right? Somewhere in there. That's um, a mansion in Des Moines, about, man. You know, it's a nice house, but it's <laughs> fifty-two hundred square feet. We love this yeah. house. We'll be here for a good long time. We owe about ninety thousand dollars on it right. right now. Right. And the way that we did that was when we bought it, it was $300,000. We put 20% down on it. Mm -hmm. We blasted away a $250,000, $240,000 mortgage in three and a half years using the shred right. method. Yeah. 
immediately then deployed $200,000 into a syndication, mm-hmm. which generated enough monthly income to cover our monthly mortgage payment. Correct. So we were living for free. And then we began shredding that 200,000 down to about 90, at which point then I recasted the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And some folks out there don't know about recasting, but you can take you know, a, a 30-year fixed mortgage you're two or three years into, and whatever your new balance is, recast it over the same 27 or 28 years, however long you have remaining. So the long story short is, you know, we live in a home now, which most people would say, this is a beautiful home to live in, and it's got to be fairly costly on a monthly basis. And our monthly payment is around 400 to four and a quarter a month. Yeah. You know, because of the recasting and what we've done. Now, the beautiful part of it is we have a line of credit against the mortgage that we can leverage at any point in time into cash value life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. We can do it into syndications. We can use it as hard money loans to people who are flipping properties. Yeah. We can do all sorts of things with the money. But for me, it was less about paying it off and being completely debt-free and more about controlling the monthly payment and being able to use the discretionary income and the equity in a really efficient manner to generate yeah. more cash flow. I love that. So tons, you use tons of jargons. We have a philosophy on our show, no investor left behind, right? So we're going to pay through it. 12 with now. Uh, up the jargon. Yeah, we're going to K through 12 everything, right? So let's use an example. Let's follow through what you said, and then you poke holes okay. into if I understood it correctly. And in your strategy completely makes sense to me, right? So essentially what we're trying to do is you have a choice. If you have an surplus amount of money, you have a choice whether you use to pay off your debt right now, but not because you want to pay off your debt. It's because you want to free up that cash so that you can deploy it somewhere else. Now, the question always is, how do you use that cash? Because the common thesis is that my mortgage, even if I start paying off early, my payments are not going to reduce. That's one. The second is, even if the mortgage that I'm paying, how will I take the money out? Because I don't have a loan on it anymore. So that's where the two strategies you talked about is recasting and the line of credit comes in. And for the folks who do not understand line of credit, it's essentially your credit card against your home. Please do not use it as a credit card, but it's a concept. So I want to make sure the concept is a credit card concept, right? So you have a limit of 50K, 100K, 200K, whatever. Whatever you use is what you pay on. And then once you pay that off, you have you go back to your original limit of 200K, 50K, 100K, whatever the limit was, right? That's, so that's right. what he was talking about. Recasting is really changing your payment. You know, the, the traditional concept is if I have a 100K mortgage for 30 years and my payment is I'm making it up $500 a month, I don't think it is, but yep. let's just say use it for now. Even if I start paying off early, what's going to happen is my mortgage amount is still going to be $500, but I'll pay off in 20 years versus 30 years. But recasting is actually a way where you can actually change your monthly payments now and still end at the same time of 30 years, whatever the original date is, right? That's recasting. So that's what you're using in your shredding terminology or your format framework is really using these two different tools to supercharge your things. You're not saying pay off the mortgage and never, ever, ever deploy that money again because it's secure. Did I capture it correctly, Adam? You nailed it. You nailed it. The only thing I would add in there is, I think I mentioned cash value life insurance. And your listeners may or may not have heard about or understand Mm -hmm. the infinite banking concept. 
Yeah. But it's essentially where you're building a bank of money within a whole life insurance policy, but you mm-hmm. overfund it. So you're putting in more than, you know, more right. money is in the policy than you need to buy the insurance premium, if you will. And then you can borrow that money out, you know, as you see yeah. fit. And so it's one step. So shred, the shred method is the first step. We include infinite mm-hmm. banking as a second step. Yeah. And then the third step is what you do very well, which is syndications, you know, yeah. putting that so, money to so work. I'll just rephrase that. And of course, I know you have your Please. method. I'm just simplifying it. it for my audience. So what yeah. we're basically saying is if you have surplus, you have choices to make when you have surplus. Of course, none of this will work if you don't have surplus income or surplus cash to That's put right. towards either paying down the debt or the opportunity, right? So let's yeah. assume you have some surplus and hopefully every one of my listeners has it. And if you don't, we got to have a different conversation of why not. In this day and age, there's definitely a way to always have surplus, right? So let's okay. leave that conversation aside. So what we're basically saying is you got surplus. Now, what most people end up doing is they would use surplus to pay off their consumption, which is let me, yes. I got $200,000 in home line of credit. Let me take a $20,000 vacation, which is fine. There's nothing wrong in that. Yeah. We're not saying right. having fun in life is wrong. I mean, you heard Adam's living in a mansion. So that's perfect, <laughs> right. right? It's not like he's crimping on his style. So there's nothing wrong in that. Both Adam and I are never saying that that's not the right thing to do. But you need to understand what yeah. you're doing. Because every decision we right. make has a consequence. And you either enjoy the consequence or you suffer the consequence. Really, two options. Totally. Right? So every decision totally. you make, you got to understand. So if you're actually now, let's say we don't take a vacation. And instead you say, I'm going to lower my mortgage payment and I'm going to start building some equity in the house and I'm going to take that equity out and I'm going to arbitrage that equity against something else. Now, what is that something else? So usually what most people end up doing is they would go find an opportunity, a stock market, which I hate. You guys all know that. It's a stock market or it could be real estate or it could be gold. It could be silver. It could be whatever, right? It could be any different opportunities, right? You could go put the money in there. Now, there's one more step that Adam is talking about. Let's, let's actually explore that. He's talking about, he threw out two different words. One was cash value life insurance. The other was infinite banking. Let's simplify that. What a lot of wealthy folks do is they put in, they realize for them to be wealthy, who is the wealthiest institution in the world? Banks, right? Banks are the wealthiest institutions. Mm-hmm. So if you can actually... Totally hack into it and become your own bank. Potentially, one could argue, you're going to be wealthy, right? And that is actually possible because what we're now doing is we're actually using life insurance as a vehicle and we'll don't take an action on life insurance without talking to somebody. We're not saying That's go right. by term. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying go by whole life either. We're talking about specific type, which is cash value life insurance. And there are different complexities in that too. So I want to make sure I put that disclaimer because I don't want people to go jump by insurance. So what we're now saying is you, you use this life insurance vehicle, a specific type, as making it to your bank, right? And yeah. what is banks' biggest power? Banks' biggest power is to loan money without checking with anybody, right? If I'm a bank, right. I can decide whether I want to invest in Adam's deal. I don't have to go check with 20 other people or 20 other institutions to get their approval. And that's really exactly. where the cash value life insurance comes in. You become your own yeah. bank. If you think the yep. opportunity is worth investing in, you go do it. You don't have to take any other approval. Now you have to own up to it, but you have to take the responsibility for it. 
but you have the money available. So now you have access to money that you probably would not have, would you have to ask for permission before? So that $20,000 that you took the vacation three years ago, if you actually planned it well, you can and invest it in a correct vehicle and cash value life insurance is one of them. Now you can actually take that 20K as a loan, pay it back while the policy is still growing in value, right? It's actually an Absolutely. asset. It's an asset, it's not a liability, right? And there's a whole different episode we need to do on cash, life insurance policy. But since you brought that yes. up, that's the concept what Adam is talking about. And it's an important concept. It's not for everyone. You got to make sure there are catches there that you have to make sure that you, because it could end up being a disaster if you don't do it right. Right, that's why I'm being very, very cautious in telling folks that go jump on cash or life insurance. You have to use the right agent. They have to make sure you're maximizing your cash benefit versus your debt benefit. There are nuances that we have to talk about. But in principle, what we're basically saying is put the surplus money to reduce your mortgage because mortgage after taxes, mortgage is the biggest expense. And of course, syndications will be helping syndications as well through minimizing your taxes, right? So if you can take control of those two expenses and then figure out your deployment strategy, right? Most people are not even on step one which is minimizing their expenses. They're always saying, I have the discretionary income, how can I maximize my return? But the easiest thing to do is, let me minimize my expenses because that's in my control. What the opportunity produces, you can't determine, right? Adam, I know you're the expert, but I love this topic, man. This is like an amazing conversation for me. You nailed it too. That whole idea that people are trying to maximize their return on the sparse amount they have left. Correct. When in reality, one of the largest ways they could gain is to buy minimizing their expenses, the two largest being taxes and the interest expense. And the interest expense on the mortgage men. Yeah. Right. When you minimize both of those or you, you work on minimizing them, it's amazing how much of a raise some people can get. So I like to call this your, your interest to income ratio, Mm -hmm. but it's basically how much do you make in take home Mm -hmm. pay? And how much of what you make in take-home pay goes out the door in interest expense. Right. And that could be interest on the mortgage, interest on your car loan, interest on student loans, credit cards. I've seen people with interest ratios as high as 25, 30%. So mm-hmm. if somebody makes a hundred grand, they're sending out thirty or thirty-five thousand dollars a year just in interest expense. Correct. So yay, we made six figures. But boo, a third of it's gone because you're not paying attention to how much interest you're putting out there. Correct, um, correct. And if you're a little, you know, even a year or two years, 12 months to 24 months in, you could drastically change that number where you're actually building real wealth with the mm-hmm. same amount of money. You're just paying significantly less in interest as a correct, guess, part correct. of the process. Now, I'll just add one more dimension to it. I would love to get your perspective. Yeah. I think if you look the interest expense in isolation, You're right, 100% correct, right? However, if you look at interest as a way to arbitrage the money, and let me, I threw that word, let me just explain to listeners, so I know you may understand it, but let me catch up. What is, what the word arbitrage means in very basic sense, you buy something at a dollar and you sell something at $2, more than a dollar, it could be dollar and 10 cents, right? That's exactly what the word arbitrage means. And the Wall Street is full of this word, that there's an arbitrage opportunity. There's no arbitrage opportunity. If somebody understands the market fairly well, it's an imperfect world, right? Not everyone knows about the value of a commodity that you bought at a dollar, that it could be sold for more than a dollar. That's arbitrage. So now let's talk about 
interest opportunity. You're getting the interest, even at a high interest rate today of 8%. There's opportunities that I've invested in that by far, by 97% reliability and yield, it'll give me 25% cash on cash every, every year. Now, when I present that to, when Mary, your concept with that concept, I'm saying the 9% debt doesn't seem bad at all. Right. 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 But now if you're looking at debt in isolation, the interest expense, completely agree. But now you're basically yeah. saying you're borrowing the money from socket at 8% yeah. or 9%, and you're giving it to Adam, who can give it to you net of 25%, approximate. You yeah. just made 14% on money that was never yours, right? That's right. Now, again, right. this is on an Excel spreadsheet on paper. It all makes sense, right? I think what we, we're yeah. trying to give you a concept. We're not saying that these opportunities do not come with a risk, without a risk, right? They all Everything has a risk, and so you have to evaluate that. But you have to look. This is how it's every problem about money is multidimensional. And we've been yes. taught to think linearly, right? Let me take one step, right. the next step, the next step, and next step. And that's where people like Adam and myself and other folks, and we're not the only ones, we understand the multidimensionality of that so we can help yes. you understand what in your specific scenario, if you're a 40-year-old versus 20-year-old, the solution is completely different, yep. right? Totally. Or could be completely different. So you have to really think through it. So don't, even on this show, don't jump on anything because you heard it on this show, <laughs> right? Because it's only half of the story. There's a lot deeper into it. I mean, Adam has spent 15 years. I've spent... 20 years looking at this, yeah. and finally, I think I've scratched the surface of where the opportunities are and how to think about it. So these take time, and it's eventually, it's initially scary. It's not going to come across as it's easy because, unfortunately, in the last 20 minutes, we heard four jargons, yeah. which is where Wall Street is making all their money because they throw out jargons without explaining it. That's true. So Adam, well, I know I'm talking a lot on this show, bring, man. It's supposed you're supposed to be doing the talking, but I I love this topic, man. So well, uh, give you, your give you your bring thoughts. up a really well, you bring up a really good point too, Socket. I think it's the fact that however we grow up is what we're exposed to. Correct. So for me in my household, all I ever heard was the market. Oh, you got to be in mutual Correct. funds. You know that's what my dad Correct. was all about. Correct. And there was no talk of real estate. There was no talk of life insurance. There was no talk of arbitrage or mm -hmm. any of the things that you probably talk about to your family at the dinner table. And I think that's one of the benefits of a show like yours is, and I agree with you, don't just go jump on this stuff, get educated, learn, absorb everything you can on these topics and find someone that knows exactly what they're doing before you enlist in, in one of these strategies, make sure it's right for you but I didn't have it. And then I got introduced to all these mentors along the way who would say, oh, I made, it blew me away. The first guy that I met who made half a million dollars a year. And then a guy who made a right. million and 2 million, Right. they think differently because there's a different level of wealth there that they have to manage or continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And clearly what they're able to invest in, much like you just described, 25%, you know, IRR and cash on cash returns, People couldn't even fathom that because they're no, they excited can. about. I mean, I didn't until I found the, the opportunity. I could not. I didn't right. think they existed. Right. Now I want to put this out there, and I would love for you to either confirm or deny this. Mm -hmm. But would you say that to participate in those kinds of deals, you actually do need to be able to put a chunk of money in that's larger than what? 
oh, really? maybe the average person. No? I mean, I think it's all relative, right? I mean, what is a lot of money okay. versus less money, right? If somebody is making 50K, even $20 could be a lot, right? I'm not saying this to demean anybody. I think it's just sure you do need to find ways to figure out an investable cash, right? And that's yes. what we're talking yes. about, the creative strategy. A lot of a lot of our upbringing, and I, I'm an immigrant, so I'm a perfect example, right? So I came into this country without a lot of inheritance that I brought with me or my family I, support, so I had to crack the nut by myself. I did not have cash right. to begin with, and I had to be creative. Where do I find it, right? So money is really virtual. Money is a concept. Money is not real, right? I learned it very early. Money is really a concept. I thought money was real growing up. Money is actually not real. What's real is the benefits you get from the money, right? That the experiences you get from the money. So if money is not real, you may be able to create money. Now, we're not talking about printing money as Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki ended up doing it when his dad told him to do that. Yeah, minting nickels or whatever he was doing. Correct. Uh, But we're talking about everyone has a leverageable asset. It could be your skills. It could be your house, it could be your car, it could be anything, right? Every You have, people have things that they can borrow against. You may not be able to borrow a million dollars, but we're not talking about a million dollars, right? We're yeah. talking about investment opportunities that you need some amount of money. For example, we'll talk about this deal that we're talking about, right? You need a minimum of $52,000. Okay, let's say somebody comes back to me and says, I don't have $52,000. All right, do you know 10 people who have $5,000? You got $52,000, right? Yeah. That's how we got to start. I think the, we ask the question differently, right? What most people ask the question is, right. I can't afford it. It's not for me. Let me go get some more money and then I will come back to it. But if you actually right. pause at that moment and say, how can I afford it, right? Yeah. Or how can I make it happen? Your mind just works differently. I mean, you and I were talking about totally. meditation just before we got on the air. And that's another completely yeah. like three hours conversation right there. But really, <laughs> I think what we're basically saying is take a pause, right? Take those moments of pause yeah. where you're challenging your own beliefs. You're going within yourself and figuring out why do I think a certain way? And if you change those core beliefs. So if your core belief is I don't have enough, every problem and every opportunity you're going to figure out I don't have the money to invest and I bet you, even yeah. you may have $100,000 sitting in your bank, you're going to say, I don't have $50,000 to invest because you're thinking from a mentality that I don't understand the opportunity. It's not because you don't have the $52,000, right. right? It's because you may not understand totally. the opportunity, risk is too high and all that good stuff. So that's how yeah. we, if, I think if we change, if we ask a different question, Adam, to your point, if yes, $50,000 is a lot of money, Right if you think in a certain way. But right. yes, I have, even as a college friend, I have maybe not 10 friends, maybe 20 friends, right? Right. You can pool the money. Now, oh, I didn't right. know you could do it. Well, you never asked the question. How yeah. do you know about it? Because you were blocking the opportunity because you thought there is no money. But if you ask the question differently, you may be able to, yeah, you're not going to make 25% return. You may still make 25% return, but you may not make $2,000 a month. You may make right hundred or two hundred dollars a month, but hey, you started with less yeah. money and it got you going. Right, the most important right. part is getting you going in these opportunities, so you can grow your wealth and you can start to participate in the game and compound your money. So I don't know if that answers your question, yes. Adam. Would love to hear your perspective. It is, and in fact, your comment about asking better questions 
I wrote about in my most recent book called the build a bigger life manifesto that the challenge for most people is we don't have a big enough vision mm -hmm. and we don't ask ourselves big enough questions. Yeah. Because the, as you stated very articulately, our brain works in a way where if you pose a question, it will answer the question. It will. So asking the question, how would I come up with $52,000 will generate an answer Correct. versus why well, could never afford that? Or why can't I ever afford things like this? Correct. That will also provide an answer. Right? It will give you an so, answer that you're looking for. May not be the answer you will yeah. be helping. You'll be helped with. It's not supportive. Yeah, that's for sure. So I love that notion. I think asking, I mean, candidly, it's how I, you know, built my speaking business and wrote books and did the documentary. There was always a question of, well, I don't know how to do it, but if I did, what would I do first? Yeah. And that simple question of, I don't know how to do this, but if I did know, what would I do first? Isn't always that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Your brain, our brain's powerful, not just your brain or my brain. Our brains are powerful, powerful yeah. machines, right? Yes. I think we're asking the questions from a limited mindset. And if you're asking Agreed. the questions from a limited mindset, does not mean the limited mindset is good or bad. I'm not passing any judgment. I'm just saying it's time to change our mindset, no matter good yes. or bad. If it's not serving you, we got to change it. Simple. Totally. If it's serving you, totally. keep it, right? Who cares? Because everyone's going to make their own decision. If you genuinely think your current mindset is serving you, keep it. Great. Chances yeah. are it's not. Especially if you're listening to these shows, <laughs> chances are you're looking for an answer, right? No and the doubt. answer is not Adam or me. Answer is you got to change the question. It's the three inches between their ears, right? That's yeah, it's the, like the, the, the answer is right here, right? It's kind of funny. Totally. Adam, yeah, I, dude, I love this conversation. I think we got to have one more conversation after this. I want to respect your time. So uh, give us a few thoughts on what are three actionable insights that if you were to share with our listeners that they can do right away, no matter where they are on their yeah. financial trajectory. So the first thing I'll say is the piece of advice I got from someone years ago that just stuck with me. And it was, your life is perfectly engineered for the results you're currently getting. So mm. if you don't like the results you're getting, like you that. must change the way it's engineered, right? right. Um, you could include anything in life. It could be your finances, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your Can health. Can you say that one more time? Plug your life is yeah. perfectly, say that one more time. Yeah. Your life is perfectly engineered for the results you're currently getting. Oh, I love that. I actually love that, man. Yeah, do it. Give me attribution twice and then it's yours. That's all there I There you go, man. All right, perfect. Uh, <laughs> But I would give people that advice that if you look really intently at the results you're getting, sometimes you have to actually go into, as T. Harvecker said in the book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, mm -hmm. he said to change the fruits, you must first change the roots. Yeah. And our roots are typically like, what did we see in here growing up? If we saw poverty and lack and <sighs> you know investments fail and don't put money in the market, it's too risky or don't buy real estate, it's too risky. We begin to believe that but it was their truth. It's not our truth. Right. And I'll give you an, another one socket. It's this idea that I'll always have a car payment. I'll always have a mortgage payment. I'll always have a student loan payment. Whose logic or whose truth yeah. is that? Yeah. And if it's not yours, let's figure out a way to get rid of that in record time. Right. Cause most people can. And then the backside of that is figure out what to do now that you've freed up that, as you said, leverageable asset, whether that's your experience, your education, your home, 
your discretionary income, the leverageable assets at some point need to be put to work right. where they make more money than you do. Mm -hmm. Right. And when that happens, we're financially free, which I think most of right. us are vying for at some level. I mean, that that's the whole reason we created this show, man, because we want to get people to that point, because I just quit my W-2 about a month and a half ago. Or almost two, oh, February 2nd, February 2nd will be two months, right? And the only oh, reason man. I could do that is somebody who got laid off in 2018 to now being financially free in about five years. That's for me, I'm like, I didn't think that was possible, right? Yeah. But that's possible because I changed the question. I didn't believe it was possible was implanted by somebody else in my head that yes. I have to work till 65. I changed my definition of retirement. Yes. I thought retirement means kicking off your legs and sitting on a beach drinking pina colada, <laughs> right? I'm like, right, why right. is that my definition of retirement? Who says that I can't work? I'm still working. Yeah. And I'm actually having a lot right. of fun doing this than doing my nine to five. Not that nine to five was bad, but I'm having more fun doing this because I'm not doing it for money anymore. Totally. Right? So I think I, I love what you said, man. So Adam, we're getting towards the end. So we got two questions. I think I already know the answer to one of the questions. So the first yeah. question I always ask my, my guest is, what is that one insight that you would share with your 20-year-old self that will make their migration in life two? One is intentional and enjoyable. Because migration comes, migration is change. Change doesn't come with an ease, right? Change always brings with yes. it a lot of pain. Could become if you're not looking forward to it. If you're resisting it, change is going to happen. It's just that how do you take that change? Yeah. The advice I would give my 20-year-old self, knowing what I know today, Socket, I would say, go deep. Go deep, meaning I, when I started, I had all these varied interests. Mm -hmm. And I've made my living as a speaker for a very long time. Yeah. And make a pretty good living doing it. Yeah. But I could be making an exceptionally large amount of money doing it had I gone really, really deep on a few topics even one or two yeah. you know, would have sufficed. And I became a generalist. I could speak on any topic. And I think, again, telling the 20-year-old me what to do, pick one thing and go do it exceptionally well yeah. and get better and better and better at it all the time. Today, for me, that thing is understanding finances. I mean, truly, right. you, know, you and I are on the same, we're climbing the same mountain of mastery here. It's right. how do we get better and better and better at what we're doing and share that with other people to bring them along on the hike, if you will. Correct. But if, man, if I had learned that 27 years ago, I'm 47 yeah. this year. Well, you, um, had, uh, you, had, you had you had so much fun living at that time, man. I did. did. <laughs> so that's a good thing I too. Right? I will, There's nothing wrong in that. Well, I will say this. My life is much bigger today. I had a big lifestyle for a while, and now I have a really yeah. big life. And I love it. I, you know, I get to travel with my family, and mm -hmm. we take long amazing vacations. And, you know, I really love the life I'm living. It just could have been done maybe 10 or 15 years earlier than now. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's an important point, right? I think it's a delayed gratification because the changes you made were not yes. easy, right? Of course, right. you had a support totally. of your wife to do that. And it was a trigger, but you still had to make that choice. And that choice yes. wouldn't have come easy. You were ready. There was a consequence of losing somebody that you love that triggered you to yes. do that, right? So there's totally. always going to be a trigger point in people's life. And we're hoping that this show becomes yep. a trigger, 
right? That's really why the purpose of the show is, I mean, Adam is a professional speaker. I'm not. He could have spent another 40 minutes, 50, 50 minutes talking to somebody else and making <laughs> money, but he's here for a reason. It's because we're trying to yeah. make these migrations easier for people, right? Totally. Uh, Adam, last question. What is your one wish and desire for humanity to migrate towards, right? What would your choice be if you were given the choice? So I've, I've been really drawn to TikToks and YouTube shorts yeah. of people being super generous. Yeah. And it's these random acts of kindness and random acts of generosity. Mm-hmm. And I think if we could get to a point where kindness and generosity are the norm, and whether that's monetary or it's just in spirit or happiness or right. you know whatever we're giving away, I would love to be giving away that which rises people up as opposed to that which brings people down. And I really think that the work that you do and that I'm trying to do, which is about giving people freedom and flexibility, is really freeing. Like I say, I want to free pe- themselves to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And the way that we do that is by helping to you know, create the freedom where you don't feel stressed about the job and stressed Correct. about your, Correct. you know, your expenses and all those kinds of things. I just think people generally are happier and more fulfilled, more generous, more kind when they live that way. And yeah. um, I want to do more of that. That's my wish for humanity. Dude, on that high note, Adam, I am sure after that, people would love to connect with you. Where can they find you, my friend? Well, the best place to find me is at theshredmethod.com. We've got a 30-minute masterclass you can go through. It teaches you our entire strategy. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn or connect with me through Instagram. It's adam.carol, two R's, two L's. And you know, if you direct message me there, I'm happy to answer any questions that your audience may have. Awesome. Adam, thank you again for your time. And I cannot, there's a lot of wisdom you threw at us. So I appreciate that. I know it took you a while to gather that. And I appreciate you distilling that in 40, 50 minutes that we had on this conversation. So thank you again for your time. I will include your contact information to make sure everyone has it in the show notes. And I will have you back again. I'm pretty sure. I think we'll be talking a lot. I would love it. I would love it. Perfect. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.